this is our ninth, tenth, last week, whatever it is here of our series that we've called Love Is, and um, we've uh, gone through this and said every single week that we need to know what love is because love is an important word in Scripture because um, somewhere in 1 John maybe it says uh, they will know we are Christians by our love. We're called to love one another. It's uh, part, we're called to love our neighbor, part of the greatest commandment. I'm called uh, to love my wife. I'm called to love my neighbor, uh, love my enemy as well. That's a really hard distinction. How do we make those kind of distinction? We said there's several different kind of biblical words for love. Um, there's a word for love between a husband and wife. That's not this love that shows up in 1 Corinthians 13. There's a love that you have friend to friend where we, it's phileo, where we get the word Philadelphia because that's the city of brotherly love. That's not the word that's shown uh, here as well. There's, there's a love that shows uh, bet between a father and mother and a child. Uh, that word is not used in the New Testament. It's not used here. The word that's used here when it says that love is patient, love is kind, is the word agape. And it's um, uh, a self-giving love. It's a sacrificing love. It's a love that doesn't uh, depend on goosebumps and uh, feelings. The world, it's all about feelings. Our songs are about feelings. I started, I started this message series off way back whenever it was and, and saying to my wife, you've lost that love and feeling because the world thinks it's a feeling. According to God's word, his inspired words, uh, he doesn't define, when he defines love, he doesn't say it's anything to do with a feeling. He says it has to do with action. It has to do with self-sacrifice. It has to do with an act of the will. Now, I'm going to do something to start here that I don't like to do. I'm going to read a longer passage of Scripture than I usually do. When I teach people how to uh, preach in preaching classes, I say don't do this, but I think it's important that I go ahead. Uh, we just centered on about four of these verses uh, we've touched on the first three, haven't talked at all about the last part, but I think it's appropriate for me as we close here to read all of this uh, part of God's Word. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 13. And the Bible says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong and a clanging sound. I can be the greatest orator there is in the whole world. I can leave people spellbound with the way that I can uh, talk. But if I have not love, it doesn't mean anything. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, if I can interpret Scripture better than anyone has ever been able to interpret Scripture, if I have faith that can move mountains, but I don't have love, then I am nothing. The Apostle Paul writes inspired words. Um, Second uh, Timothy says, God breathed words. If I give all I possess to the poor, if I got my name on buildings at Cedarville University, I got my name on buildings at Mount Vernon and Olivet, and, and if I give all I possess, I get, I'm, I'm just very ge generous. If I go on mission trips, if I go live for, for 10 years out in the, out in the um, boondocks of Papua New Guinea where there's nothing but straw huts and all of that kind of stuff, but I don't have love, then uh, the apostle says in God-inspired words, I gain nothing. And here's what we focused on these next few verses. This word is agape now. It's not eros. That's a sexual love. 
It's not phileo, that's a friendship love. It's not storge, that's a love that a parent has for a child. It's agape is patient, agape is kind, agape does not envy, agape does not boast, it is not proud as well. The passage continues, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. We've gone through these one by one. Agape does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And then agape never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. You know, there's a whole lot of, most things on this earth will not go to heaven with us. Um, and uh, I don't have anybody to preach to in heaven. They, they, they won't need me preaching in heaven. I don't, I, where there's prophecies, they're going to cease. Where there's tongues, they'll be stilled. Uh, 99% of the things we have in this world will not accompany, are all temporal. They're not eternal. Where there is knowledge, it'll, it'll pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, when we're in heaven, when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now, here on this earth, we don't see real clearly, only a reflection as in a mirror. But then we will see face to face, for I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully. There's a lot of preaching that could be done there. It's a marvelous passage of Scripture. And then finally it says here in verse 13, And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is uh, love. Uh, I, I had to decide when I started the sermon series whether to look at this from God's perspective or look at it relationally because this, this passage could describe God's love for all of us. God's love is kind. God's love is patient. God keeps no record of wrong. God does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth, so forth and so on. And I could have described the love of God all the way through here, and that would have been accurate and good usage of this passage. I chose to... to, to preach it relationally and how it works out all that is really good passage a really good application to this I read this at every single wedding that I ever do even though it's not in the context of a, of a marriage but it applies to that it's just in the context of loving one another now today we come to the very last part of this and then we'll transition to some Christmas messages starting next Sunday because 1 Corinthians 13 8 says love never fails love never fails and and when I think of love never fails I do think of God and I don't think of 1 Corinthians 13 when I think of love never fails um, all my life you have been faithful you're just saying all my life you have been so so good and we go on and on with we used to sing uh old chorus when we were really cool and they just started courses we were singing courses and we thought we were really cool when we were singing courses the steadfast love of the lord never ceases his mercies never come to an end they are new every morning new every morning great is thy faithfulness O lord love never fails over 200 times in the Old Testament, the word hesed is used. It gets translated many different ways, but mostly steadfast love. 
And there's no place else in ancient languages that anything like this word ever shows up. It's like the Israelites had to invent a word to describe the faithfulness, mercies, grace, and steadfast love of God. And they mention, and they use it with the word hesed. It's a love that never fails. But when I think of God's never failing love to us, as I said, I don't think of 1 Corinthians 13. I think of a little book in the Bible that 99.9999999% of preachers aren't preaching on this morning. It's kind of a scandalous little book to be able to tell you the truth. But it's very up-to-date, even though it, it tells a story of something that happened 750 years before Jesus, before his birth. It's a rather scandalous story, even though it's up-to-date because it's a story of sexual immorality, it's a story of promiscuity. It's a story of broken vows, broken homes, broken lives. It's found in the little book of Hosea. Not very many of you have spent time, as I haven't, in the book of Hosea. Hosea is a preacher. They called him a prophet in the Bible, but uh, prophets back then were preachers. They didn't have the word of God. They spoke. God inspired them to speak the word of God. So, so prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah would say, Thus saith the Lord. I can say, Thus saith the Lord, as I read his word. If I say, Thus saith the Lord, outside of that, I get myself in trouble. <laughs> but this young prophet, this young preacher by the name of Hosea, who was out prophesying in the name of the Lord, God came to him and, and said, um, Hosea, I want you to um, take a woman to be your wife. And so Hosea got all fired up about that. But then God said, uh, she's a very promiscuous woman. She's a woman of the world. She's a woman of ill repute. She's a woman that people talk about behind her back all the time. Her name was Gomer, and the moral of the story is don't ever marry a girl named Gomer, I guess. <laughs> We're told of this right in, at, at the get-go in Hosea chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. The scriptures say this. The word of the Lord that came to Hosea, son of Berai, during the reigns of... Those were just all the kings where he prophesied during their kingship. They were all the kings of Judah and during the reign of Jeroboam and Joash, king of Israel. So what was that word of the Lord that came to Hosea? When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her, for like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So God was going to use Hosea as something of an illustration. He said, My people have turned my back on me time and time and time again, but I continue to love them. Like this promiscuous woman, this woman of ill repute, I want you to continue to love and love and love her as shown example of my unfailing, steadfast, hesed love that I have for the nation of Israel. Pretty big job. Well, I imagine Hosea um, wasn't too fired up about this if he heard of Gomer's reputation, but he thought, well, God can do anything, and God can work a miracle, and God can change your heart, and we can have a good marriage. So they probably started with some type of excitement. Even Gomer was probably excited about it because she, this person who was at, uh, people talked about and whispered about and pointed to as she walked by, 
She was going to have some air of respectability now because she was going to get, be married to the prophet. And so Hosea did as the Lord told her to and took her home to be his wife. Now any man is blessed or cursed because of the woman that he marries. And it ended up being a curse for Hosea because soon she drifted back to her old ways. She would, um, first it just started with one night that she wouldn't come home and then it was two nights in a row that she wouldn't come home and pretty soon she didn't come home at all. I'm sure night after night, Hosea prayed to God and said, God, can you release me from this vow? Can you release me from this? And God never did. But one day, uh, Gomer ended up pregnant. And Hosea may have thought this could be the answer to the prayer because, because this baby will tie us together. Now we have some kind of common bond. This baby will keep her close to home as she mothers this child. And, and he was hoping this, this baby would save the marriage. Uh, let me sidetrack a little bit here. Uh, if your marriage is bad, don't think a child will make it better. Don't make that mistake. So pretty, I, I, probably for a while, she stayed home, but pretty soon she was back to her old ways again. She was running the streets, and Hosea was left uh, fathering the kids. Can you imagine the gossip that went around about Hosea and about uh, Gomer? Uh, things like, um, well, he's out telling everybody else how to live, and he can't even get his own house straight. No one's ever said that about a preacher, right? I mean... Some people probably said, well, he's better off. I knew it wouldn't work anyway. Crazy idea to marry her to begin with. Um, she ended up uh, not even coming home at all and living with a guy that just uh, was poor and could not take care of her. And Hosea went and took uh, silver knocked on the door of the house that she was living with this guy in and the guy opened the door saw Hosea and thought he was in for a fight and Hosea said no no I'm just here I'm just giving you some money so you can take care of Gomer the illustration that God was using here of God continuing to love his people even though they're one they are wayward there's an old song that says prone to wander Lord I feel it prone to leave the God I love. Well, the story gets worse and worse. That's why it's not talked about very often. It's hard to believe. Uh, this is a scandalous story, really. It's kind of hard to believe that anybody would put, have to go through this, and God, in fact, would put someone through this. Gomer finally ended up with someone who just uh, refused to take care of her, and because of that, he... Uh, that person that she was living with took her to the auction block. Now, we don't understand that in this time, day and time, but women were property in that day and time and could be auctioned off like anything else. And so Gomer was put on the auction block. And um, Hosea showed up for the auction. And uh, people were probably whispering that, uh, well, you know, he's finally showed up to see her 
get what she deserves. But that's not why he was there. He was there to bid on her. And so the bidding started, five shekels of silver, seven shekels of silver, ten, twelve, and finally Hosea bid 15 shekels of silver. Somebody else bid 15 shekels of silver plus a bushel of barley. That's what the text says. And then then Hosea said, bushel and a half of barley plus those 15 shekels of silver. And at that, the auctioneer, if they had that back then, brought his gavel down. And Hosea bought back. The word back then was literally redeemed. Bought her back from slavery. In chapter 3 of Hosea, verses 1 through 3, we see where this account is told in Scripture. Do we have that passage, please? This is Hosea speaking. The Lord said to me, Go show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love their sacred raisin cakes. We don't know what raisin cakes are, um, but they were something that was used in idol worship that makes no sense to us. I know what a little Debbie is, though. I kind of like that. (laughs) I don't know if it was the same thing or not. So it continues here. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver, and then... Basically, as I've done research on that, that next part means a bushel and a half of barley. We, we don't know what those words mean. That was, had meaning 750 years before the birth of Christ. And then verse 3 says this. Then I told her, this is Hosea speaking to Gomer. Then I told her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man. And I will behave the same way towards you we don't know how the story ends up I don't know maybe they lived happily after after maybe they didn't it's not the point the point is that God is ever faithful to pursue to pursue so what is it that we learn from this story of almost 3,000 years ago. That really happened, by the way. Not just a made-up story. really happened. One thing that we can learn from this is God's love is not like our love. Who, who would expect, uh, from a human perspective, for Hosea to put up with all of that? There's not a single person in here, not a single pastor, would counsel that person to hang in there with Gomer. But God's love is not our love, like our love. And some of you are, are going through difficult times and it's hard to love your wife, it's hard to love your husband, it's hard to love your kids because they're just turn on you and and I know all those situations that hard is, are really hard, and this is not for me to wag my finger at you and you say, you just need to do what Hosea is doing. No, I'm, I'm just saying this is God's love. This is God's love. And there are people 
there are people that do love like this. There are people, I, I, met, a, I met a lady yesterday. Well, I didn't meet her, I just went to see him. Some of you know Tom Brooks. He's near death. Went to see Tom yesterday and it's not very responsive, but we kind of roused him a little bit. I said, it's Pastor Mark. And he says, I used to know a guy like that. Marsha has been taking care of him, totally taking care of him, if you know what I mean, totally, for several months now. He's, he's gone through this, this has been over, well over a year that he's struggled with it, about six months that he's been down pretty low. As I spoke with her yesterday, she was tired burdened but she's loved him and she's changed his diaper she's picked him up off the floor Bible says in Romans that God's love can be shed abroad in our hearts and there, there's, there's a capacity that some human beings have because of love of God inside of them that they can do some miraculous things on account of love and I'm not saying that's the point of this story, that you go out and do these miraculous things. I'm just saying to you, God doesn't love like we do. He doesn't. I, I'd assume if God told me to do that, if I was in a Hosea shoes, I hope if God told me to do that, I would have done it. I, I would hope that if um, God told me to take her back, go buy her back from the auction block, if God told me to do that, I, I, I hope I would have done it. But you know what? I wouldn't have done it if he didn't tell me to. God's love is not like our love. It's not. God's love is pursuing. And there's people under the sound of my voice, whether they're in this room or they're listening on our live stream, that God has been pursuing for years and years. You've ignored him. You've turned your back on him. Maybe not in a volitional way, but you've just ignored him. You lived as if he wasn't uh, here or wasn't part of the world. And, but he's still pursuing you. Just like after Adam and Eve sinned, God didn't turn his back on them. The Bible says he came and called for them. Adam, Adam, where are you? There's people here today that God has been, uh, you know what Jesus is, what says in Revelation something? Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Some of you have been hearing that knock for a long time and you've never opened the door. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears that and opens the door, I will come in, Scripture says. I don't know about you, but I'd stop knocking sooner or later. For some of your family members that you've been praying for a long time, he's still knocking. He's pursuing. Because his love is not like our love. If God has been pursuing you, Know that that's his loving heart that's reaching out to you, trying and trying and trying to get you to open the door.
God's love's not like our love. He pursued me for 34 years until I finally opened the door. If you've never opened the door, you need to do that today. You need to do it today. Because we've learned with what we've been through with Sheriff Fisher that tomorrow is promised to no one. No one. Oh, I know we all think we have tomorrow. I know we all do. I do too. But it's not promised to anyone. Sheriff thought he had tomorrow too. A few Christians here today that are praying for loved ones, family members, friends. You want to give up praying, don't you? I do sometimes. There's no hope. There's... God's still working. God's love's not our love. It's one thing that we can learn from this story. Another thing that we learn from the story of Hosea and Gomer. And, and, and remember, God set this thing up as an illustration. God was behind all this. And God wanted Hosea to go through this because I want to show my people Israel how I treat them when they turn their back on me and go worship other gods and I still pursue them. I want to show them about the steadfast love of the Lord. I want to show them about the Hesed of God. Another thing that we learn from this is, is that God does not love you for what you do. He loves you in spite of what you do. <laughs> Some of you good religious people out here think God loves you because of what you do. You need to drop that right today. A lot of people have a bookkeeper relationship with God. I do this, God does that. I, I do this thing, God will do that thing. I don't do this thing, God likes that. Da, 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 da. It's just like debit, credit, debit, credit, debit, credit, debit, credit. <laughs> Where do you find that in the Bible? Where do you find that? Show me where you find that in the Bible. God's, Hosea's love for Gomer was not because what she did, it was in spite of what she did. And God's love for us is not because of what we do, it's in spite of what we've done. Remember that, Christian friends. Don't be a legalist. Don't think you've earned this. The wages that you've earned from your life, Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. But the gift, in spite of what you've done, the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. God doesn't love you because of what you do. He loves you in spite of what you do. Teach your children this. God doesn't love like we love. I wouldn't be an honest preacher, though, if I didn't finish with this today. God's love demands a response. Now, where do you get that from the story of Hosea and Gomer, Mark? Well, it's right there in 3.3. I read it to you. 
Then I, Hosea, told Gomer, you are to live with me many days. You must not. He's saying you have to respond to me. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man. Friends, you cannot deny the fact that God's love demands a response. Why does, why does he continue to woo? Why does he continue to knock? The only reason he knocks is so you will open the door. He demands a response. There's lots of people that, lots of people that kind of try to change their life around and that go to church and try to change their life around. And they hear messages and they're kind of inspired on Sunday morning, but you know, where's off by Monday and, and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And, but but they kind of get, they're getting a little teaching and they kind of feel better about themselves, you know, but what? They've never, ever totally responded. They've never repented and believed. They've never made a, a, a choice of their own will to, to accept Jesus Christ as the Savior and the Lord of their life. God's love demands a response. God's love demands a response. The verse doesn't say... For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so we will have eternal life. The verse doesn't say that, does it? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so we will have eternal life. If, 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 if that was the verse, then we should all go be universalist. You know what universalist is? They believe everybody's going to heaven. You see, you see, you see there's a church in Centerville. It's a universalist church. They just believe everybody's going to heaven. They're universalist. But see, the text doesn't say, for God so, and by the way, for God so loved, that's the word agape right there. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Then there's a response that's called for. For whosoever will believe in him, for whosoever will believe in him for whosoever will respond to him for whosoever will open the door will not perish but have everlasting life it's wonderful to preach the love of God it's, it's the most it's the most exhausting topic that I can ever preach. I always feel like I, uh, I, I, when I try to talk about it, that I come way short because how in the world can you describe the love of God? I feel every, every time I, I, I try and I preach, I went back and looked, I preached several messages throughout 26 years on just the love of God and I feel like it's a flat tire every single time because it's, it's, such, an, it's such an infinite subject and how in the world can I be able to teach it myself <laughs> but whatever the love of God is an amazing that amazing love amazing love how can it be that thou my God would die for me once you grab the unbelievableness the amazing love of God once you try to get your pea brain wrapped around that 
you'll have to respond. You'll have to respond. So, almost 3,000 years ago, God put his finger on a little preacher and said, you need to show Israel how much I love them. And so he marries a wayward woman who would turn his back on her time and time again until he finally bought her from the auction block. The word back then was redeemed. Friends, we've been bought with a price. The highest price that's ever been paid. This is a scandalous story. And, and no more scandalous than what we do every thing, single Sunday when we come to the altar and receive communion. Do you, do, you realize, do you realize what we're observing? What a scandal it is that the God who breathed this world into existence died for you and for me. The mystery of the Trinity that we'll never understand. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God the Son died. What a scandalous thing. What a scandalous thing. But he died so we can be bought back. But you've got to respond to that love. Have you done that? I, don't, I didn't ask you if you come to church. <laughs> have, you, have, you, have you truly responded and grabbed the unbelievable story, the scandalous story of God's love, and because of that, you just have to respond with your life? Have you done that? I mean, really done that? <laughs> if you have, you know it. You know it if you have. And if you haven't, if you, you kind of wonder if you have or not, you probably haven't done it. You have opportunity to this morning. <laughs> Simply by walking and receiving the cup and the bread, simply by walking forward here and saying, Lord, I believe, I respond to your love. Thank you for that. Be careful if you say no. Because Harold knows your heart can become hardened. Romans 1 talks about that. God won't harden your heart. Our heart becomes hardened. No after no after no. And then I believe with all my heart, once you've turned your back on God, once you've said no for so many times, it gets hard to hear. If you hear that today, you need to respond. Don't say no. Lord God,
I can't read anybody's heart, and I'm glad I can't. I, I, I can't judge anybody's heart. I don't know where they are. But, Lord, you've just called me to preach the gospel, and I've just preached it this morning. I've, I've, I've thrown the gospel seed out, and, Lord, I believe it, it lands on some hearts that are fertile and that can take root. So, Lord, whether those people right here in this sanctuary today or whether they're home watching on the live stream, God, I pray that they will respond to the infinite, scandalous, marvelous love of God. Oh, how wonderful. Oh, how marvelous. Help us to respond in Jesus' name. Amen.